I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You know, I mean, he's missing. I mean, last night he missed threes, but he missed twos. I mean, he missed layups. I mean, he's still... You know, he's just not there. He's not playing at the level we need him to play. We need him and, and Tyus to play at a very high level, and uh, they're not. Drop balls. I mean, there's, we, we're dropping touchdowns in the end zone on guys that have made plays for us the last two or three weeks. We've got guys that are jumping up and locking in and catching the football and then hitting, ground, hitting the ground and the ball's coming out. We had, you know, I'm not going to call any guys out. We had very, very, uh, for the most part, our veterans played extremely well uh, on three sides of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams. But you start going back to our, our young people, and uh, it was not good. It was They did not handle the uh, surroundings well. Welcome to the Q's Militia Podcast with those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at Q's Militia Podcast and follow on Twitter at Q's Militia. All right, what's up, Q's Nation? Thanks for tuning into the Q's Militia Podcast with Sean and Joe. If you like it, as always, please share it and uh, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, a brutal weekend for us as Orange fans, emotionally draining, maybe, uh, is how I would describe it. Uh, but we're here to talk you off the ledge because, um, you know, maybe our pride's damaged. But these games, in my opinion, mean very little when put into perspective. And that's what we're here to do. Um, but before we start saving lives, we got to hear from my bookie. My bookie's got a new promo going on, okay? And uh, if you've ever wanted to place a bet but were too afraid to pick the wrong team, this Thanksgiving is finally possible for you to get a 100% refund on your bet if you lose it. With the Turkey Day free play, you can bet on the spread in either the Bears or the Lions. If it wins, you win. If it loses, my bookie will give your money back up to 250 bucks. You literally cannot lose. It's no risk. All gravy. My bookie offers such a great product, and there has literally never been a better time to try them out unless your sports book is offering something like this i think you should make the switch i've never heard of a sports book doing uh, freebies like this and i doubt it'll ever happen again these guys are trustworthy fast and helpful so i know they're good for it if you're new to sports betting and have a lot of questions that's okay because my bookies patient customer service can walk you through any questions you have about how uh, online sports betting works sign up this week and my bookie will give you 50 percent deposit bonus 
to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code QS50 to get the 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code QS50. You do not need the promo code for the Turkey Day free play. If you lose, they'll credit the money back into your account automatically. So what are you waiting for? Sign up today and don't miss out on the gravy train at MyBookie. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.ag. All right. So, you know, with everything that kind of uh, happened over the weekend, the three games, we're going to do our best to kind of put this in a nutshell and only give you um, the, the most, the meat of it, you know, uh, for all these games. Uh, you know, it was a bad weekend, uh, and mm-hmm. it got bad, and we're waiting, we're all waiting with bated breath as uh, the status of Eric Dungy is... Um, pretty much unknown at this point. I think there's some speculation. Uh, latest I heard, it's not so good. Uh, I can only say that, I, honestly, my heart breaks for Eric Dungy. This guy has given everything to this team and to these fans, and um, nothing short of blood, sweat, and tears and, and literally broken bones. He gave it all every game, and, um, you know, it's a travesty. I think it's it suck. It sucks, and if he's not going to be able yeah. to play in a bowl game that he helped bring this team to and the fans are all excited about. I just, I just feel awful for him on a, on a, on a play that did not look very serious. And no, it, yeah, it didn't. And that's the most ironic thing, right? I know. I mean, right? He's taking a hundred <laughs> hits worse than that. I know. And how many times have we cringed? And I'm, I mean, I don't think any, anybody cringed on that. That just looked like a normal little play. You no, know? it and didn't then, even, yeah, it didn't even, I mean, and that's those are the type of injuries that scare you because then it's like, okay, well, what happened? Right, you know? especially when he gets up, he goes to the huddle, and then he comes out of the huddle and he limps, and then he limps worse, and then he grabs his back and falls. That delayed right. reaction, like yeah. yeah, the adrenaline wore off, yeah, and then he started to feel the hit, yeah, and or whatever he did, and and something, yeah. It's never good when you're limping and you're holding your back. That's for sure. So um, uh, no, and he could not. He, it was almost like he, his legs just gave out. They couldn't put any more weight on him. So pinched nerve, yeah, maybe. I don't uh, know. Huh? It could. Yeah, it could be. I just say I look at it like you know. I do. I like you said. My heart goes out to him, and and it would suck for this to happen. But at the same time, um, I mean, it would kind of be par for the course. And I'm not saying that to kind of be like an. You know, yeah, you, I don't care type, you know, but I get it more or less. No one's going to forget the, of what he did. You know, he's in the record books now, even if he doesn't play another snap for Syracuse. Um, I think that uh, if there is uh, further success, like I think a lot of us think are going to happen and hope for. And with this Dino Babers and everybody like that, I think that um, everybody, no matter if he plays another snap or not, is going to remember who is in the forefront of that. You know? Yeah. So. Well, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to, to yes. Eric, the team, and obviously his family. He's got a brother, sister, and a mom, I'm sure, are, uh, you know. Worried. Worried, exactly. So, um, anyway, the show must go on, and we'll see what happens uh, yes. against Boston College. Um, the first time since 87-88 that Syracuse Orange basketball has started 2-2. Two and two. Um, now mm. to kind of condense both games, obviously Syracuse dropped it two and two. It was ugly, eighty-three to seventy-six against UConn and eighty to sixty-five to Oregon. And the two games, the Orange were thirty-seven point five from the floor, twenty-two from three. Folks, it's eleven for fifty. 
none of these guys, as far as I know, have not made a name taking deep shots. So um, I don't know why they they continued to take so many. They were they were seventy five percent from the line, which isn't horrible. And I'm not sure what happened to Brissett in New York City, but it was pretty lackluster. He shot eighteen point five from the field, and he was two for 15 percent from three. And only 20, 20 points in both games. I felt like he was kind of chasing points with the three when that's not really his game. Last year, Brissett was 174 for 221 at the line. That's his game. It's like an identity yeah. crisis or something, you know. And I know against Oregon, you had Bull Bull in there. And maybe it was a little tougher to, to, to penetrate. But yeah, y- you got to kind of make up for that, don't you? I mean, Battle, he only scored, uh, well, he was 11 for 27 Overall, thirty-three points. No, in both he wasn't games. bad. No, he wasn't terrible, but he was—he was, he was silently not bad, though, right? Like the impact was never really right. felt. Yeah, and then well, tr- and that's that comes with you know just kind of trying to figure out the roles and still figuring out who's running the offense. I don't right. think we have anybody out there that can run the offense, and those yeah. two games were eerily similar as far as the play. You can tell, kind of. Yeah. Well, you yeah, you can tell what our problems were. I mean, the first game against UConn. That to me was, it's just, it was a mystery. Like, I don't know what to do. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And, Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. The deal was if they just weren't ready to play, I mean, getting out-rebound by a team like that where you have the height advantage. I mean, O'Shea Brissett, a double-double machine, and you going three for 15 for eight points and five rebounds, like, that's – you can't do that. Like, that's not going to cut it. Especially, like I said, against an undersized team where that Cobb dude, he ended up getting a double-double, and he was probably the player of the game and the reason why they won. Uh, we won the turnover battle, but then they out-rebounded us by 14. And again – Cobb's off the bench, we were, too, by the way. Just to know. Yeah, well, we were, we were an overall bigger team. Therefore, we shouldn't get out rebound by 14. We won the turnover battle. Yeah. Really no reason why we should have lost that game other than the fact that we did because of the rebounds and because they were UConn hot shot, with the, th- with the well, three. Well, they shot 12 of 21 from the three-point line, yeah. 57%. Like, that's 
That's crazy. I mean, some of the ones when, when we were trying to make that comeback in the second half, a couple of times we were making those runs, and I thought we were going to come back and have a chance. And, they hit a and then they just they would hit it. I mean, you're talking five, six feet, feet yeah. off the three-point yeah. NBA three-point line. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that was difficult to overcome. And then the next night against Bull Bull, that really, obviously, he's a problem. Um, he's probably going to – I don't want to speculate, and I don't want to – Think he's a one-year player? Is that what you want to say? Well, well, that, but also just the fact of how good Oregon could be. I mean, they had another player, um, I think Lewis King, that was sitting out, and he was uh, their second-best uh, recruit coming in, and he's 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 a scorer too. So, I mean, that team I think is going to be dangerous. I, I, in my opinion, I think they're going to run away with the Pac-12 and. That bull bull guy, he's not just a, a chuku in the middle. He's no. he can dribble, he can shoot threes. He's I mean he can make every single shot. That little he has some jump. grace, he has some finesse, man. I mean, no, but, that eight footer right in the lane, no one can block that, and he's just made every single one. I of know them, the so. hooks and the in the in the floaters. He hit a three. He was eleven for seventeen, uh, right. one for one for two from three. He hit uh, all three of his three uh, free throws. He had nine yeah. rebounds. And three steals and four blocks. Yeah. I mean, and I believe that game we shot twenty six points. I believe that game we shot seventeen percent from the three point line, and we allowed them to shoot, I think, fifty percent from the. I think like twenty five of fifty. So uh, just overall, I mean, it comes down to we just can't score. We tried. Our offense is predicated on pick and roll in isolation, trying to create mismatch mismatches, and we just don't have the scoring down low between Sidibe or. Uh, Chukwu or even Dolje right now really isn't helping too much. Um, so we just don't have the full complement of our whole team. And I think there's a little bit of a role uh, crisis right now as far as tra- people trying to figure that out with Frank Howard out. And uh-huh. just overall this weekend, it's the fact that we, I mean, we gave our, we allowed our opponents, both of them basically to shoot 50% from field goal and from, you know, his field goals and yeah, 49 got, and 50 and, and, and we got out rebounded. Yep. And those are the two biggest things. That's the difference of the game. Uh, Chuku never bothered to even take a shot against Oregon. Uh, he was just shut down completely. He looked like a baby yeah. horse out there once again. And this is after the last episode. I was I was saying how, or maybe not the last one, but I, I thought he had gained some muscle. I thought he was being a little bit more physical. He seemed a little bit more aggressive. But, um, I mean, it was, it was some of that was really ugly. I thought Jalen Carey was probably the star through both games. With 40 points, he was 12 for 14 um, from the foul line, and he uh, he had six steals. I mean, so and, and what you see is yeah, kind of I what you get with. Go ahead, you want? To- I was gonna say, no, him and Elijah Hughes are, I think, were the two more most impressive guys, you know, this weekend. Yeah. yeah. You know, just because I mean they're newcomers, but they also it looked like they made the biggest impact. I mean, I know they they Hughes made the, got- they had they had the biggest impact and they had the most energy. Right. Exactly. And I don't know if that's just some type of mentality because ironically, they're not the, they weren't on that, that team that made the little sweet 16, you know? So I don't know if it's just lackadaisical, if they just don't have that sense of urgency that like, you know, that that was another thing with UConn, you know, UConn had a sense of urgency, like it was a tournament game and yeah, that um, was personal. we can't that show was, we can't yeah. show up like that. We're a ranked team now and, and we, you know, d- there's expectations. There's we're being talked about. Like teams know that we should be pretty good, and we got some NBA players on our team. And when they show up to play us, they're going to be ready to go. And we can't just sit back and be, oh, it's not a tournament. I mean, you know, we got plenty of time. It's not a tournament game. Like they didn't even look like they wanted to play the first half of that UConn game. It was like they took. It was almost like they were just lackadaisical out there. Like the 
Like the four-year-old on the soccer field picking dandelions. I don't know. There was no, no. You did say, didn't you say something about them showing up late to New York City or something like that? And yeah, the they, had they they were short. They are they were short. They showed up late. I think it was like maybe an hour or something like that because it took them like two hours to go two blocks because New York City can't figure out what to do when it snows. It's like hello, uh, like it never snowed there before. <laughs> you know, you, you right. can't prepare for these things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they were late and maybe threw them off. I don't know. Maybe they were sleeping on the bus. They didn't get the blood pumping, obviously. Uh, it was – they were just kind of – I don't know. They were just kind of vanilla on the court, man. It was pretty bad yeah. at first. Um, so what you see is what you get without Frank Coward, in my opinion. Joe, you, you going to argue with that? Uh, it's – no, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you can obviously work to get better with what you're going to look like without him, but that's really just going to come with experience more than anything. You know, battle, he's out of position. Jalen Carey, he only was a point guard and leading an offense, so I think his senior, senior year of high, high school, so only yeah. one year, and now he's stepping in. And, and like I said, he, he played good this weekend, but you can play good and score, but that doesn't mean that you're good at leading an offense. And, you know, he there were times where he was sloppy with the ball and had some turnovers, so – He's still got a lot to learn, but, I mean, he's going to be an exciting player in the future and even be able to help us this year. But, I mean, you're not going to say – Frank Howard needs to come back. He obviously. needs to come back. There, there's no leader. The confidence looked low. The intensity we mentioned, uh, the ball right. handling was sloppy. The defense, which I thought could probably save us, uh, obviously needs some work. I mean, they yeah. kind of look confused. And, um, like we said, the two hardest fighters out there were the were the new guys on the block. So Yeah. Um, well, these guys are supposed to be gaining experience with Frank Howard in there, especially Jalen Carey, you know. Yeah. He's supposed to be gaining experience right now, coming off the bench and helping – um, and obviously that's not the situation right now. So it's tough because in one instance, you know exactly what's going to happen when Frank Howard comes back and you're going to have to work to, you know, figure that out because he hasn't practiced since he had the injury to begin with. So, you know, who knows when that's going to be. So it's just difficult because it's like, you're trying to figure roles out and figure out how to win now. And now when he does come back, when Frank Howard does come back, then it's going to be a bunch of different roles changes and, you're gonna to have to learn how to play a different way. So, what do you tough. what do you see? Sure what do you see the lineup? Go ahead. Do you got something to say? Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying. I'm sure it's pretty tough for Beheim to kind of figure Try out what figure he wants out, to yeah. exert his energy on. Yeah, I know. You know, as far as how he wants to, you know, how yeah, how many all options. in do you want to go when Frank, if Frank Howard's only a week away? I, I don't know. Right now, they're saying they're speculating. Coach said in his post game press conference that, you know, um, he expects. Frank Howard back on Wednesday. So uh, we'll see if there is a difference in the flow to the offense. Syracuse shooting th- through the season so far, 38%, 96 for 249. Uh, and both Oregon and UConn scored 80-plus. And just to put it into perspective, last year opponents averaged 63.8 points a game for the Orange. And I didn't know this, but I read it. Um, Syracuse has never played Oregon before, so they're 0 and 1 against Oregon. And, oh wow! Yeah, I didn't realize that. And yeah. uh, Syracuse all-time record at Madison Square Garden is 95 and 79. So hmm. that's a lot of games at Madison Square Garden, huh? Yeah, it is. Um, well, Big East tournament, and then these other yeah, tournaments like sure. this, you know. Yeah, the as whole home away from home thing and this and that. Boy, whoo, boy, let me tell you what. The I'm I'm not gonna dog the fans. Because there was so much going on, and we talked about where do you put your money, what ticket do you buy. But right. the both of the basketball games 
were really quiet as far as SU fans go. And uh, I know they were there. I saw them. But in the, yeah. the football game, you know, they only got allotted so many tickets for, like, the school and stuff like that to sell through dome ticks and all that, right? It was like 5,000. Yeah. So well, if you think if you think about the way that every single one of those games started, I mean, then then you can kind of understand. I mean, and if you know Syracuse fans, even the ones that go to the dome, I mean, there really wasn't a lot to to be excited about early in any no, of those games. No, uh, there was no. a couple. You know, there was a couple times in that UConn game where they went on some runs and it got loud. But other than that, uh, you know, I don't really remember it being too you know, loud like that. So, and again, I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen you know, as far as you don't know how good these other teams are. I mean, UConn could go and roll through the, the AAC. Well, they stunk against up, Iowa. So, well, I mean, Iowa beat Oregon. Yeah, so I, I, how, I know. I mean, maybe right. they just got Iowa messed up. Maybe Iowa's just a really good team. <laughs> yeah, Oregon's going to be a good it's, team. It's like that. That's not going to be a bad loss. That like, early, like said. right. That early, that early season speculation, you just don't know. No one can't go by rankings this early because right, nobody knows. Not. Right, exactly. You know, and and at the end of the day, if the the AAC doesn't have usually it's not that deep, so usually the top three four teams they they usually beat up on the bottom half of that and they win a lot of games. So you get some of those teams that are ranked like the Cincinnati's and you know UConn and um, SMU that's been recent years and stuff like that. So if UConn goes in and they have a good non conference and then they go in and they beat up on the bottom half of the AAC. And that's not going to be a bad loss. It's not going to be looked at as a bad loss. Oregon, I'll, I'll be, I would be willing to bet a lot of money that Oregon's not going to be a bad loss, and it's going to be neutral court. So when it comes down to the tier system and the whole NCAA, I don't think it's going to hurt us in, in the long run. It's just it kind of got to we kind of got to sit back and kind of observe and I guess call out what's wrong, like figure out what's wrong, and then just hope that that's what you know that they they get it fixed. So. And that, we don't lose any other type of game because we can't have a bad loss. Right. Well, I, you know, when we won't know what's a bad loss until later down the road. But right. let's put this. I said I wanted to put this into perspective. It was a bad weekend, all in all. But overall, Joe, what did any of the, the, the Notre Dame game? And we're going to go over the Notre Dame game in this, here in a second. Other than having your pride hurt and getting handled like that, and minus the issue with Dungy because that's an actual, you know, issue the game itself it, it, the game it literally meant nothing to us really i mean are you talking about notre dame i'm talking about notre dame yeah yeah okay now <laughs> that's easy do you got something to say go ahead well i obviously as a fan you want to win well, absolutely we, we, like again we talked about it last podcast and i think everyone kind of realized that we were playing with house money and i don't think really anybody Thought that I mean everyone knew we had to have a perfect game and and once yeah. Dungy got hurt I think that once he threw the interception of, you could kind of see the way it was going to go I don't well, know if I don't know if Dungy's going to make I don't know if Dungy makes that game any closer to be honest with you I mean no. we might have a couple I mean, are more we, are we rolling right into this right now or no 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 hold on hold on go back okay. to the go back to the basketball games early enough in the season both it, it sucked because they were back to back losses they're in Madison Square Garden and we were riding high. And we go in there, Houston the city weekend. It has been it's been pumped up since the start of the season. And mm-hmm. here we are. We go in there, we lose both games. But Joe, other than having your pride hurt, what does it mean? What does it mean? I mean, it means you get to play against good competition and see where your weaknesses get exposed and figure out how to fix it. 
And I think <laughs> right. as a fan, right. any type of fan that's smart knows that they can look at it. They know Frank Howard's not there. They know that that was an integral part of the integral part of the team. And you look back at the three of the last four years when we made the Final Four, when we made the Sweet 16 run. I mean, it was ugly at times yeah, through the absolutely. year. We Especially got to early. the end, and we didn't even know if we were going to make it. So, like, again, it comes down to the expectations. You know, even last year when we made the Sweet 16, it wasn't like we were scoring amazing. You know, Dolce ended up stepping up and scoring double digits, and it helped, and we played amazing defense today. We never – we always had a problem scoring last year, even yeah. when we made the run. And the so, defense always improves. It just and the, from the beginning to the end, it always does. I mean, exactly. this is a, to to a Syracuse fan, I don't know why this would be any surprise. I think right. it's actually. I mean, as much as we we didn't win this weekend, I mean, we were on, you know, prime time three days in a row. You're 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 being watched by others. You know, and obviously when you be watched by other fans and you know people around the country, you want to win and you want to show something. But I think the true fans out there know who we have and what we have. And, and as as far as Syracuse fans, I mean, you should know. I mean, it's Jim Beheim. This is how it works, you know. Right. Every he's in the beginning, he plays a bunch of people, and usually we have a couple more warm up games before we play against teams like this. But you know, we got thrown in the fire. We play against some good competition, and hopefully, those losses don't come back to bite us at the end, which I don't think they will. But um, you learn from, you just get better. Yeah, that's exactly. a great experience from Jalen for Jalen Carey this past weekend. You know, absolutely. I think Sidibe and 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 Dolge and. And Chukwu, they know they need they know what they need to do. O'Shea Brissett, they know what they need to do. O'Shea Brissett did not play good enough to win anything this no, weekend. No, absolutely not. It was like so, awful. Actually, he didn't play well enough to even justify his minutes other than the fact that he he, he is who he is. Right, um, right. And so, we know that's not the O'Shea that we're going to be no, seeing. No, and it's going to be different. With basketball, it's different. You can yeah. lose, and it's all about improvement. You can... I mean, you could lose and just get better all through the end of the year and still have a chance to, to get in through the conference tournament, which obviously you don't want to go that route. But, I mean, there's always a chance. So. Right. Um, so Syracuse Orange basketball is 2-2. Two and two. It's done. It's over with. Uh, Colgate this Wednesday at 7 o'clock in the Carrier Dome. School. Okay. We're on to the next one, and uh, we'll come back to talk about that. But it's, we're 2-2. Two and two. It's time to move on. Still right. All right, Joe. The Orange dropped to eight and three overall. Uh, the the offense the offensive trend continued to the turf as Orange got handled by Notre Dame. Dungy was one for four for ten yards and an interception before he was injured and helped off the field. Devito was fourteen for thirteen for only hundred and five yards, two interceptions. Mo Neal carried the ball eighteen times for seventy four yards. Taj Harris led receivers with seventy eight yards and five catches. The Orange averaged four hundred and eighty two yards a game. They only totaled two hundred and thirty four uh, yards of offense against the Irish. Uh, Notre Dame defense was obviously just too much for the Orange to handle. Constant pressure led to six sacks, and they hauled in three interceptions. Not taking anything away from the elusive and talented Ian Book in his 292 yards passing, but the Syracuse defense does give up a lot of yards. They average 430 yards of uh, opponent offense uh, every game so far heading into here, and Notre Dame tallied 463. You can almost say it's par for the course. Uh, the, I thought the points were low enough to where if this offense was to, to score and be able to go down the field, it could have been more competitive. Um you know, point being, I'm not sure what more we could have expected with this type of defense. And, you know, I mean, Guthrie had 12 tackles. Cisco did pull in his sixth interception of the year. Yep. He's tied for first nationally. Um, I mean, the defense was smothering. And that's the tail of the tape right there. Was yeah, that? it was the tail of the tape. Absolutely. Again, I, I don't. 
I think there's always speculation. I don't think that you can, because again, Dungey and DeVito are two different players. And uh, I'm not just going to go ahead and say, I mean, when he got hurt, it was the third drive. Uh, and we, what was it, 10 nothing? Uh, yeah, he ended up getting hurt, so. but we were driving. We were midfield. We it looked like we were successfully running the ball with Dungey in there, um, especially considering that they know that he is also a run option. And I saw that drastically change when he got hurt. Not to say that Dungey would have came in and we would have won some, but our defense played good enough. We talked about the bend but don't break. You know, they drove down there, and um, we held them to two different field to two field goals two different times, and then. Um, they set up to go up to 20 nothing. was after that interception, after DeVito was already in, and he threw a nice little pass to, to Taj Harris, and that just popped up and went right in Guy's hands. Like, yeah, it was, it was like just a, such one of the luckiest interceptions. I mean, it was yeah. just right. So, again, it's you never know what would have happened if Dungey wouldn't have got hurt. And again, you kind of saw the wind go out of the sails because I think that a lot of the players knew that DeVito wasn't ready for a team like that. And that Dungey did give him the best, you know, chance to win. Um, and again, our defense still held up enough. I think was twenty nothing at halftime. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah. twenty nothing. And then again, we ended up we getting that we got Cis- Andre Cisco got that interception in the end zone, and then we held him to another field goal to the twenty three. So again, I mean, they, you look into they I mean, only it, ki- I, go ahead. I'm sorry <laughs> that that interception, that lucky interception we were talking about, that came with like. Five minutes, four and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Uh-huh. It was still thirteen nothing. Right. So I mean, you, and they were driving. Momentum changes when um, when your team can score. You know, our defense. We were just continually out there. We were out there for so long. Our defense it. held up. And if we could have, I think the defense some, played good, man. Uh, the defense did play good for giving up that many points. It could have been way more. Could have been oh, yeah. way. Could have been more. fifty. Could have been freaking fifty. I mean, yeah, really. And uh, point, Notre Dame. At the end of the third quarter, they were playing so many. They played so many snaps, and our offenses was not giving them any hope no. whatsoever. That's another thing yeah. they play off of. If defense, if your offense is scoring, your defense is willing to go out there and play harder because they know that you got their back and they're doing it for something. Right. And at some point, you're just out there and you just start, have no hope and you don't even really feel like you got a chance, even if you do make the stop. So, and it's still, we still were out there giving it our all. Trill Williams, he ended up having a strip that never got, uh, you know, reversed. Yeah. He was even, two re- foot re- in bounds, dude. He was two feet in bounds when he took that if ball. It got re- if it would have got reviewed, we would have got the ball back. And then again, they went down and scored a touchdown at, uh, to, I think, to go up 30 nothing after that. So, again, uh, the timely stuff with the turnovers and everything, obviously, I mean, it's almost like everything, you know, everything has been like too good to be true this year. You know, Dungey know. plays good. And when he didn't, the two different times when he got hurt or whatever, you got uh, DeVito comes in, saves his butt and we end up, you know, winning two games. And it's just we've been great with the turnover ratio and the special teams. And of course, Schmidt comes in and misses a 23 yard field goal like it was almost like the perfect storm of just the things that we've been able to do uh to win these close games you know and to not have to make much just being so efficient on special teams and the sacks and the takeaways and everything like that and being able to score points above points on the board we just we couldn't do it and again obviously you got to give a lot of credit to notre dame their defense is, is really really good um they surprised yeah, me yeah it's good but I think there's always going to be the speculation of the shoulda, coulda, woulda if um, Dungy didn't get hurt just because if we do end up scoring some a touchdown early or Dungy breaks a play or this, this, or that, you know, your team feeds off that. And on top of that, we never pressured Notre Dame. If we could have scored with them and got it close, 
put a little bit of pressure on them, then you never know what could have happened. So, again, it's easy to just say, oh, it would have happened even with Dungy. But, I mean, mentalities, the way you call the game as far as coaches, everything just change when something like that happens. So, um, and we've seen it before with the Dungy effect. We've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. That which we haven't seen the Dungy effect Saturday. this year until then. Well, yeah, really, what we call the Dungy effect. In and save them. Yeah, but yeah. that was the first little glimpse of it, and that was right. what I was afraid of. And the floodgates kind of opened, but yeah. it could have been a lot worse. And hopefully, you know, I, I, the probability of Dungy playing against Boston College, I would say, is nil. Okay, so. They need yeah. to prepare and 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 uh, get their get their asses in the gear and and put on you know put it behind them and and let's let's do it. Uh, of the seven Notre Dame drives that were in the red zone, they've they got out of those just to give credit where credit's due to the defense here. Um, I think let's see three produced touchdowns and three for produced field goals and then the one interception. So. It could have been a whole lot worse. Seven drives in the end zone. You settle for three touchdowns. That's 21 points. The nine right. points off of field goals and a turnover. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, too, the three turnovers from the interceptions, Notre Dame only cashed in 10 points from those, which that could have been a whole lot worse, too. So hats off to the defense. I mean, I don't know what else to say. If I'm going to take anything away from that game, it's got to be the way the defense played. So I'm yeah. just trying well, to Well, our beat. offense played so bad and our defense played so many snaps that to say that to only hold Notre Dame to what 35 36 points is 36, yeah. good because that could have been 50 easily. Well, you were on the so, podcast you were on a podcast with um, Irish Sports Talk, which is a Notre Dame football podcast. They invited yeah. they invited you on there and you said your prediction was a little off but your points are almost right on the money as far as Notre Dame goes. And you said if we hold them to what did you say 35 to 32 Notre Dame wins at the last second field goal, right? And that's what I said, yeah. All right, but you gave him 35 points. My point is is that it, I would have said the same thing. If, if, if you would have told me Notre Dame's only going to score 36 points, I would have probably said, man, that's going to be a really close game. I thought that we would have, like, that's why, I'm, you know, I picked to cover the spread. You know, if we would have held him to, if I just, if, yeah, exactly. If you would have said Notre Dame's only going to score 35, 36 points and Syracuse is getting 10 points, do you think they're going to cover? I think most people would have said yes. Yeah, so just uh, too much, it, man. Proved to be too much. Again, it's as a Syracuse fan, um, with Dungey getting hurt, especially late in the year, um, and then playing outside in the elements, which we haven't had to do yet. Uh, I granted it wasn't bad, but we've never we haven't played outside in forty degree weather, you know. Not right. Um, and uh, just for it's, it's all too familiar. For for a Syracuse fan in November, the only difference is that this is the this is the number three team in the nation. It's not Wake Forest, you know, <laughs> or, or Pittsburgh. As far as a couple years ago, when it was a 76-61 game, um, Dungy really didn't play that long. We've seen him start slow in other games. Um, Wake Forest comes to mind. I think he played three or four drives, and they were up ten nothing before he got started. Um, and you could tell that. <laughs> Wake uh, Notre Dame was playing a little bit different, and we definitely were uh, running the ball pretty decent when he was in there. When you had that little, you know, when you had the option of running Dungy. So um, once Devito got in there and his pocket pass, it was all over with. Um, so again, like again, it's all speculation. But I mean, you look at it in perspective, like we talk about as far as beginning of the year and looking at Clemson number two in the nation, Notre Dame number three in the nation, and then our other loss against Pittsburgh. They're playing 
against Clemson in the ACC championship. They just beat Wake Forest this past week and, and locked that in. So they will be playing against Clemson in the ACC championship. So those are our three losses. Uh, and they did break into the top 25 as well this week. So, yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, so all three of our losses are to ranked teams. And we're eight and three. So put it in perspective. It's not too bad. It's just, I think when you piggybacked, it's just the, it it's just, the cumulative. Yes. You know, from the first basketball game against UConn all the way to the cumulative, you know, because it got, it was like, okay, all right. And then it was like, UConn was like, uh, and then Oregon, it's like, well, Oregon's really good. And then it's like, okay, we lose by 15. Now we're 0-2 in basketball. And, the, and then everyone, I think, was like hyped up for Syracuse football to like get us <laughs> off the off the losing end. And and it, it just, just didn't change. Just and I think it was just... come to fruition. Yeah, it was just one thing after another after another. And I think, you know, as a Syracuse fan, it's definitely frustrating. It's a tough weekend to be a Syracuse fan for sure. But, hey... but. Next week is a we new were, week. We were in the spotlight, though, but we were in the spotlight as well. Yeah, I don't really care two much games, about the spotlight. Madison, I, I'm two not, games in Madison Square Garden, and I mean, I'm just saying. I know, I hear you. I don't, I don't. I'm you not, gotta win. You gotta win to be like. You gotta win to to, to play primetime, bro. I I know, but and I'm not one of these ranking hawks that has to check the rankings as soon as they come out and all this stuff. Yeah, it's cool and everything, and I do it if I'm gonna do social media stuff, you know, but. As far as like really caring about it, I don't. I just I want to see it. I want to show me the money, man. I want to see what you do, not what people no, think you I, can do. No, I get it, but being relevant is. Well, it helps recruiting. It, it's the only thing that I I think is that that's the most important thing to it to me. If you can show that you can stay ranked and be relative, like you're saying, and that shows recruits that you know uh, it's worth it's worth going and trying it out. So right. But um, anyways, I, I'm. Uh, I have nothing else to really say about it. I, I think it's it sucked, but you know what? Um, Syracuse has got two more games to play, and um, we have an injured quarterback right now. And I no, think it's, I think it's that Devito's team. It's Devito's team, and and we'll we'll see what happens. I really Starts hope that now. I really hope that Eric can get back for the bowl game. I really, really, I really am, am pulling for that, but I don't know. It does not look good. I, so. I know, I know, but you know what? I hope, I hope that they've always, they've all kind of been next man up, and I just hope that. I mean, it's Tommy DeVito's team now. He's he's going to be the starter next year for all intents and purposes, barring something crazy. And you know, it starts now. Just act like, I mean, go in there and prepare like he's just the guy from here on out. You know, yeah, he's going to be playing this next game, and even if Dungeon can come back to the bowl game, I'd still, I'd still probably do some type of two quarterback thing or. You know, but yeah. you kind of got to just. Well, I mean, hey, I think it's too late you, for that. If Dungey can play, you play. It's not if too late. Can't. I mean, if it comes down to a bowl game like that, you want to play a bowl game, you want to win. But um, I think you know, at some point, you got to just let it go and turn the reins over to somebody else. You know, you got to stop going this back and forth stuff. And if it's going to be something to where Dungey's going to be questionable, to where he might not even be able to game plan for like half the practice time and. That's one of the biggest things about a bowl game is you're guaranteed, you know, three weeks of extra practice. You can get that. If you don't make a bowl game, you don't get that. So that's huge for development. Absolutely. And uh, some of the younger guys and and to have DeVito be able to get those extra weeks of practice on top of getting this whole Boston College game. It'll probably be the first game that he starts and goes all the way through barring injury and get him ready for the bowl game. And if if, you know, by God, you know, Eric Dungey can get healthy enough the last week or so to go in there and be able to play a little bit, you know, just give him some series, give him some burn, give him his respect. But, um, I don't want to see the guy get hurt anymore. <laughs> I know he's, he's, he's done enough, man. He's done yeah. enough. 
This this season was amazing. Even if we lose the last two games, the season was amazing. Yep. Just based off expectations. So. All right. It's time to hear from you. The loud mouths from the loud house. The best damn college sports fans in the nation. All right, fan feedback is brought to us by J.P. Mulligan's 202 West Genesee Street in Fayetteville. Trivia Tuesdays, every NFL game, every Sunday. Happy hours, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. And, of course, you go there for the wings. You go there for the beer. You go there to be with other Q's fans and watch the game. And um, you can go there and, and ask Nick behind the bar if he's working for some swag. And a funny story, Joe. I don't know if I told you this. A no. friend of mine texted me a picture of of her in one of our stickers, and she oh, didn't yeah? she didn't know it was me, but she got it from JP's. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, she found out later it was me, but uh, you know, but I thought that was cool. She got it from JP's. So yeah, nice. go there, grab a couple of stickers or whatever, and uh, we'll we'll keep them stocked the best work, we Nick. can. Good work, Nick. That's right. Um, so. First, what we're going to do is our iTunes uh, review giveaway. What you do is you go to iTunes podcast where you listen, and what we need you to do is give us a five-star rating. It rejects one-star ratings um, immediately, so just give us a five-star, and then give us a written review. If I read your written review on the show, what you'll do then is email us at qsmilitia at gmail.com, and give me your address, and I'll send out the swag as soon as possible, and I see some new ones in here, and they're great and fantastic, and... Um, what, what I'm going to do is let you know that I see you, and I will get to you, I promise. But first, we're going to do Bilski 44, most knowledgeable Syracuse. Oh, first he says, uh, great Syracuse podcast, most knowledgeable sports podcast that you will find five stars all the way. Keep up the great work, Sean and Joe. Thank you so much, Bilski. I really appreciate it. And see, it takes two seconds. It takes two seconds. It means a ton to us. It really helps us in the ratings on iTunes and helps us get recognized and we are the most best the most and best rated Syracuse podcast in iTunes. Alright. You can go at Cuse Militia on Facebook and Twitter and we propose the question after most games I would say uh, immediately to leave your feedback and we use it here in this segment. But first I put out a poll after the games for basketball. Where do you think Syracuse basketball stands after the last two games come Monday? And uh, I've got in the top 25 or out of the top 25. And I don't think... Um, I put out of the top 25. That was my... I mean, I don't get to vote on it, but that's what I would have put. And it won out 89%. I don't know if that was anger or frustration, but only 11% chose still in the top 25. I think it's going to be really close. The showing, um, you know... People vote on this stuff, so you know they're they're failable. It's not you know they 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 vote with their eyes, right, Joe? So right. I mean, what do you think? I think it'll be close, like you said. Yeah. If we're still in, it'll be somewhere between the twenty-two to twenty-five rank, most likely. And if we're out, it'll be you know we'll be one of the last probably three to five teams, like another receiving votes. So we can probably drop anywhere between twenty-two and thirty. Be my guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the ba- I'm going to do the basketball game Twitter, basketball games Facebook, and then uh, we'll do the football the same way. So, and I'll try to get through as many of these as possible. I really appreciate everybody participating. Oh, there's so much, there was, dude. Yeah. There's like I don't even know. Like, dude, 
We used to have I, to stretch I, these we, out. We used to have to stretch this out. Now, now I got to speed read them to get I mean, through them just, all. You just used to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know about that. But what I did I'm do. What joking. I did do is I would go. I would have to go into, like, um, Syracuse football's social media feed and pull out pull out stuff. So uh, we do this all with our own social media now, and it's just. It's awesome. I really like you guys are awesome. The the the, yeah. the podcast spreads word of mouth and the social media. You guys are just awesome on the social media. I love it. There's conversation in these threads now between people, and I just yep. can't be. I just can't. There's. I can't say enough about it. I never thought we'd be here. So, um. Yeah. Anyway, our buddy Captain Patrick at Oil Cuse. Uh, we will be better in a month or two. Well, I hope so, Patrick. I really do. Um. At JD's Said, dad. Screw the pooch. <laughs> At JD's dad, need some chemistry in UConn. Shot lights out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And they, you know, we saw that that didn't hold true through their next game. So at Salty Warrior, thoughts embarrassing, pathetic, clueless, soft, heartless, no leadership, no effort, no focus, no toughness, no offense, no defense. Um, And remember, these are immediately after the game. So um, he was upset. Uh, He has every right to be. Uh, Let's see. Uh, At DLRIT. Uh, the effort sucked. Negative 14 on the boards is, dis- is a disgrace. O- O'Shea was a no-show. Yeah, that was the biggest. That was the biggest stick right there, yep. man. Uh, O'Shea just he just didn't hold out. Um, at the laugh lap, lazy defense, poor rebounding. Yeah, they got they got beat on the boards hard. Let's see. So that's what we talked about. Yeah, yep. they got out rebounded and they gave up. Like I said, they both teams shot 50 percent from the field. Like you're not going to win. No. At uh, Mr. Dodger, 1966, three things you can count on from any Cuse basketball team. Inconsistent outside shooting, big, big men in foul trouble early and often, big men who cannot rebound. I mean, it seems that yep, way. And yep. It seems that way. <laughs> so uh, at NY Sox fan, uh, that's that's not – that's that's terrible, Keith, at NY Sox fan. I don't know. It's White, it's White Sox. It's White Sox. Yeah, okay. It's White Sox. It's White Sox. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, here are my thoughts. Kerry is going to be good, and Battle needs to remove his head from his ass. Uh, <laughs> Battle, like we said, not a terrible yes, showing. And not a terrible like... showing, but it wasn't effective. His final number is outcomes. Like he can't. He got going late in the UConn game. And Better than what Percent did. Huh? Better than what Percent did. Yeah, absolutely. At Mackie underscore 62, one of these teams will be playing in March. The other will be recalling the night they hit a bunch of threes. Ah, yeah, well, that didn't hold well, true. Our buddy Mike, not- at, if now, at if not now, when 84. Dan Hurley is the new John Thompson. Guy's a douche. I'm with, I'm with Mike. He was so <laughs> douchey. He was so he was douchey. Tough to watch, but... Dude, why are you? It yeah, you're celebrating. You're celebrating like a little schoolgirl. He wants some pom poms. Do that crap, dude. Like it's his, it's his first game like that. He was douchey. He's a coach for you, Mike. I'm with you, so dude. I'm with you. The guy's a douche. I loved seeing hey, him man. lose the next day with his bottom lip all puckered out like a little baby. Yeah, that was great. Look, uh, you guys do realize that we have to like cheer for them to do good, otherwise it's gonna be a bad loss. Th- that's right? true. That's true. Uh, uh, at Cuse right. memes getting in on our getting in on our feed. It's awesome. Uh, Frank would have made little difference tonight. He has always struggled against smaller, quicker backcourts. The rebounding margin was inexcusable. Three point shooting is atrocious, and this zone is currently nowhere. 
It should be. Yeah, nowhere near where it should be. Absolutely. And we were talking about that. The defense just is not there. The defense, I think, will get better throughout the year. Well, we're, just, it just always does. We're a better team than UConn. If they didn't shoot 50, if, if right, they shoot right, in the mid-30% right, right, right. from three-point line, then we win that. Or if we out-rebound, then, then, we, then we win that. Rarely when we play a team like that are we going to get – is both of that going to happen? So we'll get better. Uh, at Rayner 44 I hate Dan Hurley. Uh, I concur. I hate <laughs> UConn. I concur. Go Cuse football. Ooh. That was before the football game. Yes, uh, it was. At, at Mouse Ader, I don't know. Tom, special Syracuse basketball team when they don't play defense. Oh, typical Syracuse basketball team when they don't play defense. They thought they w- would be an easy win. Rebounding was once horrible again. No boxing out. Too much one-on-one offenses with their other four players stand and watch. Everything <laughs> is fixable. Let's hope they do. Well, yeah, it's fixable. Um, I don't know if it was that bad, but uh, at Michael underscore M bot, Frank, come back soon. Yeah, and hopefully we get to see some of that. At Big Chuck 44, uh, where's the press? Why are why are settling for threes? O'Shea needs to focus on scoring and not uh, playing to not playing to contact. He drives to the hoop. We will be okay. Okay, well, I think he's saying here is where was the press? It was not there until the second half of the uh, Oregon game, as far as I could see. And it worked, you know, earlier in the season and in uh, exhibition. And what he's saying here is what I said. O'Shea should be trying to drive in the paint and draw fouls. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. There's a conversation there. We won't get into that. At Geoheater. Oh, well, here, you know, let's see. Let me see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what he said here. I got him, I think. Here we go. How's it going, Cuse Nation and uh, Cuse Militia Podcast at Geo Heater here on Twitter? Uh, a lot of things, a lot of things, and I don't think I have time to get into all of it. But it just comes down to, um, I think that there's some underlying problems here, a little deeper than Frank Howard. It just doesn't feel like they have it. Like the competitive edge that they always play with, I just I wasn't seeing it, and like. <laughs> Shots weren't falling, and, you know, defensively, it seems like teams have us almost figured out. I mean, not every team's going to shoot the three like UConn did, and Oregon shot it really well, too. But just inside, you know, Pascal got beat up quite a bit. It was just – it was disappointing. Two games that could have been nice, nice resume builders, but they certainly, I think if you win them, they look decent, but losing them hurts a lot on your resume. All right, let's go. Let's start with this. All right, Joe, is there more, is there an under, this has been speculated. Is there more of an underlying issue with the team other than Frank Howard being out and no one has been just, no one's just stepped up and run the offense? Well, I mean, that is the underlying, I mean, it's figuring out the roles. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I think I mean, what he's saying is like, something that, you know, a locker room issue or something that we're not seeing. I, that's the way well, I feel like I mean, he's there's always it. different dynamics every year when you bring in new people. So you never really know that. But um, it's sometimes, like I said, it's tough in the beginning of the year because certain people had roles last year and now other people come in and now it changes. So um, and I think that it kind of. You, like again, what we talked about, it's tough because you don't know. People are trying to figure what out the roles and everything now, and then Frank Howard is going to come back and it's going to change all over again. So, yeah, I would um, get used to it. Get used to the bumps in the road. 
Brandon says, as far as the Orange tonight, they should feel very proud of themselves. They allowed themselves to be the first ranked team to be beaten by UConn since 2014. What an accomplishment to beat to be beat by a team who has has no chance in hell to make it to the NCAA tournament. This will be great. This would be a great win for them and an awful loss for us. Well, I hope not, but there's a lot of sarcasm there, Brandon. Joe, yeah. the fact that we played so bad and they shot like 60% plus from three and we only lost by seven is a testament to the talent of this team. Plus, I think UConn will be better than people give them credit for. Battle hasn't gotten going yet. No, yeah, that's true. Uh, Buddy hasn't found his stroke either. It's early. No need to push the panic button yet. I agree. Red shirt. Uh, Lauren says, where was battle? Carey is good, but not a point guard. Yeah. Uh, Brian, they they looked lost in basketball IQ on this team. is not very good. Just a bad loss, and hopefully they learn from this game. Still freaking hate UConn. Ah, uh, man, and this goes on and on and on. Yeah, this is too long. Yeah, at at J Evans BCBNJ. I don't know what the hell that means. No one showed up. Complete letdown. No one stepped up, especially when Dungey went down. At Ian Ian Witch. Hats off the better team on to BC. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? At Kevin Craig 6, the their players are a lot better than ours. Uh, at Mr. Dodger 66, nothing. Just just like offensive effort. Babers is Bush League. And uh, at the guy 13 says hardly. Yeah, Babers is not Bush League. At Soup Can 11, we sucked. At J Carpenter 74, that was rough on to BC. Let's finish strong at 9 and 3. So you guys get the feel. I'm I'm sorry I can't get to them all and I don't want to bore people so that's it Joe wrap this up yeah move on to BC man let's it's done it was painful it's done it's painful it's done look check out uh, I forgot to mention them at the beginning of the show but I'm gonna do that next time check out Orange Appeal Network okay A P P E E L Network Orange Appeal Network it is uh, Dale Shackelford. And Roosevelt Bowie, they have their own post-game show. They go live on Facebook after every basketball game. And they contacted us, and I told them that we would help promote their show on our show as well on social media. And we hope to get them on the on uh, the Cuse Militia podcast, which would be phenomenal. Two Syracuse legends. Um, I would be completely honored to have them on. So hopefully in the future we can do that. Until then, you can check them out at the end of every basketball game. I want to thank JPs. I want to thank my bookie. I want to thank everybody who participated in the fan feedback. We could have done a whole episode on that. So that's a wrap for Joe. I'm Sean. We're out. This has been the Q's Militia Podcast with Sean and Joe. Be heard. Contact us on Facebook at Q's Militia Podcast and tweet at us using hashtag Q's Militia. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 